Uh, so, uh, good morning. Uh, it's a good day to be here. It's getting warm outside, isn't it? Um, yeah, my, my boys went swimming at my mom's house yesterday, and Connor is all like blotchy sunburn. I was like, oh, it's summertime. And the wood children outside of Hattie Jane, we just burn. That's all we do. We just burn all day long. Um, so today, uh, at the end of the service, we're going to honor our uh, seniors. Uh, Connor McDonald and Dayton Hintz um, are gra- graduated and are heading off to college. And uh, this is really our first time as a church we've done this. It's very exciting to kind of honor these seniors and to, in a sense, commission them um, as adults, as men of God, for kingdom work. And uh, I was thinking back, and it hit me this morning, that I graduated 20 years ago in 1999. Yeah, I heard that when somebody whistled just now. Um, that was many pounds, uh, many hairs ago. Um, and uh, I was thinking back, like, what was I doing back then? <laughs> and um, i never forget, uh, our last day of school, uh, our school, our senior song was, I will remember you by what's her name, McLaughlin. And uh, our principal said, senior class, we will remember you. And dismissed us. We all laughed. And it was a really funny thing. And me and Leighton Allen, who's not here today, um, we got my Mazda Millennia. And um, it was a sweet car. It really was. And I went and got subwoofers in my car. Because I wanted to, like, really, like, for some reason, have those in my car. And, um, And I was thinking back at just how ridiculous that is. And how... You, I just tell you guys, you literally have no idea how big of an idiot I am, or even how big of an idiot I was. That's just many moons ago. And I think about my life for many years um, was lived for silly things, correct? Just lived for foolish, childish things. And the problem is, many of us in this room, even myself, even this week, I'm distracted by silly things. And I think one of the biggest problems in our culture today at large is we're a culture that has given ourselves over to just lesser things. It is the cultural norm now to give yourself over to lesser things. As Luke has mentioned in this series, like binge watching is a thing. We're going to spend an entire weekend giving ourselves over to nothing, to literal nothing. And friends, these lesser things are shaping us, are forming us in some kind of perverted thing. And what's even worse, it's not just the world that is doing and living in these lesser ways, but it's us. It is the children of God. It is the church. It's the city on the hill to be to display the kingdom of God. The church, us in this room, are living in this lesser way. And the question, even the question of this series, honestly, is what is just, what is the main purpose of your life? What is the main driving force of your life? So if if God has saved you, right, why not just go ahead and send you to heaven? Just go. Like, why are we still here, right? The Holy Spirit of God indwells us. So what are we doing? 
Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5. The Apostle Paul is writing to this church here and giving them a picture of who they are, of who Paul is, of what Paul has given his life to. Always in Paul's letters, you kind of have this sense that he's defending himself, right? They say, here's why I do this. I'm not crazy. They say I'm crazy. Just listen to me. And he kind of just goes on in his letters. And he's doing this here in, in 5 verse 11. Let's just read this. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us. So that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearances and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, if we're crazy, it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all. Those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Here we come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Are we living, are, in your life today, are you living as a new creation? Like you read this, and Paul is imploring the church here and us today to ask ourselves just this question. When people see you in your life, is it a new creation life? Or is it old creation, withering away, giving itself over to sin and apathy? Or is it new creation? Let's keep going. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us. Underline entrusting there. Entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see very uh, clearly here that... um, new creation people, and if you have put your faith in Christ, are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, you're a new creation person. The church, the church of Jesus Christ, the new creation people have a new purpose. Look at verse 17 again. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. 
The old has passed away. The former purposes of your life have passed away. They have died as you put your faith in Jesus. So let's talk about purpose for a moment. And we think about this idea of, um, so you hit these seasons of life, right? So you're in college, your purpose is to graduate, right? You graduate, your purpose then probably, if you're like a lot of people, is to try to find a spouse, right? Then you get a spouse, what do you want to do? You want to have a kid. You have a kid, then you want to buy a house. You do all that, you get tired, you want to retire, right? That's all the the steps we hit in the American dream, correct? Friends, that's not our purpose anymore. It's not our purpose anymore. It's not our purpose anymore. It's not my purpose anymore. That purpose never, the false old creation purposes, they never end, friends. Listen, if you're single here today, getting a spouse will not bring you wholeness and purpose. It, it, having kids, and listen, I have never battled infertility, so I can't imagine the pain of that. But trust me, kids will not make you whole, will not bring you purpose. Listen, you're working hard right now, and we live for the purpose of retirement, right? To be left alone. Friends, retirement is a purpose that will not last. New creation people have a new purpose. But many times we don't live that way. Our purpose, as we see here, In verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. Your role as new creation people is you are now an ambassador of Jesus. And listen to me. There is no greater honor on this side of eternity than being an ambassador for the king of the universe. Your job promotion pales in comparison to that. Your kid's honor roll pales in comparison to that. Our vacations pale in comparison to the honor, the joy, the role, the purpose of being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We as Christians, as new creation people, we have great news every time we wake up. Your alarm goes off, and right now I am screaming at myself friends, screaming that my heart can believe this. We wake up and we have the greatest honor, privilege, joy, and role to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. That's our name tag as Christians. You go to a store, you go to a Best Buy, you're trying to find the name tag, right? Listen, the world is out there withering away, reaching for for small and false things. And we, the church, we have the name tag. We should raise our hands and say, we have the way to help you here. We are ambassadors for Christ. Amen? Putting faith in Jesus is putting faith in a new purpose. It's impossible to say that Christ is your king to put faith that he paid the price for your sins and not also have a new purpose. Friends, we must be very, very careful to just... Um, so the other day, I was talking uh, with Hayes, and he's asking about hell a lot, which is fun conversations. And he said, well, I don't want to go to hell. And he was like, you got to believe in Jesus, right? And I said, yes, and then I'll go to heaven. And I was, he's like, well, I want to go to heaven, and, uh, which, of course, makes perfect sense, right? And many times, I'm afraid our faith is that shallow. 
There's this scary thing out there that we don't want to be a part of, so we just say yes to this one little thing. When we never give ourselves over to the lordship and the new purpose in Christ Jesus. And friends, if we are in that place, and many times in the American church, the Western church, the Bible Belt church, which we're the buckle of, we fall prey to that right there. We want to get out of hell free, but not change our purpose. And friends, if, you, if your purpose of your life through the power of the Holy Spirit is not changed, there's no desire for that purpose, I would lovingly question if you have true faith in Jesus Christ. So today we're talking about being ambassadors for Christ. We can't assume if you have no desire for the things of Jesus. I'm not saying you don't struggle. Listen, I struggle every minute of every day to live out my identity, right? But if there is no desire, we must question that. Let me keep going. I am way off here. Our former, our former purposes must be swept away in this new purpose. So how do we cultivate our purpose? If that is who you are in Christ, if you are now with your name tag, this ambassador for Christ, how do you cultivate this? Because our souls just get so tired, right? We get so distracted. The world is coming at us in all kinds of ways. And the world doesn't come at us in bad ways. The world comes at us in caring for our kids, which is a good and right and a worshipful thing that ambassadors for Christ do. But what happens is this good thing of caring for our kids rises to a level where it surpasses our ambassador. Does it make sense? That our role is no longer an ambassador for Christ. Our role now is parent of this person right here. And we live our lives to serve these little gods. And they're bad little gods, aren't they? To serve these little gods. And, we, and, and then our little gods just fight back at us all the time, don't they? Little sinner gods just fight back. And that, and that purpose is hollow. It's shallow. It should fall under our role as ambassador. So how do we cultivate this? The first, fear of the Lord leads us to this purpose. Look at verse 11. Paul says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. When you see that word therefore in your Bible, you always go back. Well, therefore, because of what? Look at verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. It's this reality. It's this reality that this God, and friends, this God is real, but this God is beyond our imaginations. He is so mighty. He is so holy. He is so just. He is so other. And one day, every man and woman will sit in judgment from him. Every person in this room. And Paul is saying here, the fear of that Lord. And that fear is, yes, it's this deep worship. It's this deep awe that he is just different. He's just greater and mightier and different, right? Like we see like these ginormous whales on TV or this, or this tiger. And we're literally like in awe of these creatures, of their power, of their majesty, of their ferociousness, right? We're like literally in awe of them. 
And it's amazing. You see this throughout the Psalms all the time. He is the creator of everything. So these things that, we, that our minds can wrap around, these great animals or these great, the Grand Canyon, all these great things of nature are nothing compared to the creator. And one day we're going to sit and the creator is going to look at our lives. And so Paul is, there's this fear here on two levels. There's this worship of him, but there's also this idea that he desires to please King Jesus, to please him. Now, we know that our good works are like filthy rags, right? We put our faith in Christ, and then one day as we put our faith in Christ, and we follow this path that Jesus set before us, we walk this path, the straight and the narrow, as we live this life, and one day Paul wants to sit at Jesus and to be told, well done, good and faithful servant. So he's living his life aware of this holy and just God that's going to sit but he's also aware that the people he's writing to, the people he reaches out to, that he talks to, are going to one day sit in front of Jesus. And friends, I want to tell you today, the way you cultivate this new purpose is to make this very, very real. Is your neighbor, your cousin, your kids, your friends, your coworkers, they are going to sit with Jesus one day and be judged. And this should cultivate this new purpose. Second thing, love compels us to this purpose. Look at 14. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls us. And love of Christ is seen so clearly, of course, in the cross, correct? So we have this judgment on one hand where he's going to kind of take our good and our bad, and he's going to kind of judge us. But also, we have this loving, perfect Savior. And this love that Christ has for us leads us to love others, to bear with others, to show mercy to others. Let's keep going. Last thing. God, not for the whole time, for this part, um, God entrusted us with this purpose. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, uh, as I just sit here even this morning and think about the fact that you entrusted this message to broken vessels like us, it's humbling. Lord, let us today wake us up, Father, to this great purpose. We love you. Amen. He has entrusted this to us. Look at this in verse 20. Verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of re reconciliation. Entrusting to us. Entrusting to us. Think about what God has entrusted to you. So you think about We'll go back to Best Buy for a minute. The really terrible uh, picture here. People are there to help and point them towards this thing right here, right? God has entrusted us with responsibility to point others to him. To reconcile them to Christ. To be a part of his plan. So who we are, who you are in Christ is an ambassador 
for his kingdom. So as you think about um, just discipleship in general and following Jesus, there's two phrases that we like to say that we have to grow in our character, basically our identity in Christ, of who we are, that character of Jesus. But also, we need to learn and grow in the competency of following and being like Jesus. Many times in the church, and even so far today, even this series, we preach on the character of following Jesus, as we should, because character always surpasses and leads to competency. But today, for this last few minutes, I want to focus on the competency of being an ambassador for Jesus. Like, how do we actually live in 2019 in Shreveport, Bossier, as ambassadors for Christ? So listen, there's many thoughts to this. There's many thoughts on how to do evangelism, right? And we've all grown up with them. I've been part of many churches where the primary way you did this was called invest and invite, right? Like, so you're, you're somebody's friend and you be nice to them for the purpose of inviting them to a church service or some kind of rally or a friend day. And those aren't bad things. They're not bad things. But I will say this. When we ask about the competency of being an ambassador, the competency of following Jesus, we must always ask the question, well, how did Jesus himself do these things? How did he live his life in the world? So invest and invite. Uh, What's some more here? Um, I like this one. Osmosis evangelism. It's this idea where we do good to people. We never have any intentions at all of sharing our faith. That we think by osmosis, they'll find Jesus. Through our smile, our good cooking, our, 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 we don't cuss, we don't do these things. By us just doing that, they're going to find Jesus. That doesn't work. Um, um, we, we see street corner evangelism, right? The person on the street corner with a sign and a bullhorn saying, repent and follow God. Or it could be uh, we have the, the tracks for evangelism where we say, here's a tract, uh, go and do this. We have all these kind of, or the coffee shop thing. Those people who just kind of sit in coffee shops and they just wait to have a conversation with somebody. All, all those methods have their place on some level. But if we're asking, how do we follow Jesus in this? How do we look at his, his life and see how he did this? So Mark Russell wrote a book called The Missional Entrepreneur, and he had this study. There was two teams of missionaries that were sent to Thailand, two teams. And for the sake of our time together, we're going to call one group converters, the other group blessers. So the converters, they went in with the sole intention of converting people and evangelizing people around them. That's all, they were just trying to do conversion. That's all they were doing. The second group, our blessers, they went for the purpose of blessing people. They would say, I am just here to bless whoever comes my way. Or I just want to be a blessing to the people in my community. And throughout this study, they, they kind of had this kind of realization that blessers had a greater social impact on the community and did many things to improve the world around them as they were blessing the people, and the community. But also, they had almost 50 times the conversions as the converters. 50 times the conversions as the converters. So why is that? 
Well, converters go wrong in two ways. First thing, converters many times see people simply as projects. With the sole purpose, they have to, in a sense, convert them, change their mind, persuade them. And they don't see them as people, as souls made in the image of God. They are simply, many times, projects. And second time, converters inherently believe they are the ones that do the converting. Correct? That if, if they don't preach the gospel just right, that person won't be converted. If they don't invite them to the service, and if that service doesn't have perfect music, perfect greeting, perfect kids ministry, perfect preaching, they won't be converted. Friends, there's only one converter in this world, and it is Jesus Christ. Listen, we convert nobody. We simply point them to the one who can convert them, correct? And so if we live our lives as converters, we are taking on a weight we're not called to. But blessers, blessers simply bless others and announce that there is a king in Christ Jesus. Last and most importantly, Jesus did not do ministry like a converter. He didn't simply go and scream at them and run away, did he? He did not do ministry that way. God from heaven could have done whatever he wanted to do, but he chose to incarnate himself in this world for our sake, correct? To be a blessing. The blessing started with Abraham, correct? And it moved all the way to Christ Jesus, who through his death and resurrection has blessed us in this room for the purpose of blessing others. So here's our main thought for the day. We have been made ambassadors for Christ so that we could bless the world. We have been made ambassadors for Christ so that we could bless the world. So moving quickly, what does it look like to bless others? What does it look like if we're ambassadors for Christ to go out this week and to bless others? Well, spoiler alert, it's on your card right here. Um, let's walk through this. First, we begin with prayer. And, and we're going to look at Jesus' life and ministry throughout this. Here in, um, in Luke, in Luke 6, we see he begins with prayer. Here in verse 12, before he went out and chose his disciples, it says this right here. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And then when day come, he called his disciples and chose from them 12. Jesus, all throughout his ministry, began with prayer. Even his ministry started with this blessing from God at his baptism, saying, this is from me. It's this reminder. Prayer is this declaration that only God can do this. You see this in the church, right? The early church in Acts. They get persecuted with it. They pray. And they pray for boldness. They pray for people. Praying for people. Every day there is this sense we wake up with this name tag on, right? As ambassadors for Christ. And every day we should start our day praying for divine appointments. I will say this, not to make you feel weird, 
There are people in this room I know of that were prayed for by other people in this room. And their little groups and their personal time together that they are finding Jesus because somebody in this room began with prayer. Y'all were given this card right here. And, And I promise you, and I pray, this is not just a card for you. This is men and women made in the image of God. They're going to meet Jesus one day. And it's our role to wake up every single day and begin with prayer. Pray to the one who actually changes hearts, that God would work in their hearts and their life. Begin with prayer. When you gather in your missional communities, one of the habits should be that we're praying for the people in our life that we're praying for our top five. My prayer is that this awareness, even this goofy language, will become normal to us, that we are praying for these people, not once a year at a series, but every single day and every single week, they are right there that we're praying to the Lord of the harvest, that God would change hearts. We begin with prayer. Second, we listen. We listen Luke 18, verse 35, says here, As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's all these people and this blind man who no one, they all probably ignore this blind man says, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, saying, be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him. Jesus here in the midst of everything going on, he stopped and he listened to the one that everybody ignored. And there are so many people, I can't tell you, just asking somebody to acknowledge they exist. Does that make sense? When we listen to people, we are saying, you are made in the image of God and you matter. In a day and age where uh, every person is an expert on everything and always has their thoughts and opinions that need to be told to the whole world through social media, listening is a great apologetic to simply say, how are you doing today? How are your kids? Where are you from? That's three questions right there. How are you doing How are your kids? How's your job? Where are you from? Because people are made in the image of God. People have stories. Listen, reminds people they are worthy. Three ways to listen. First, listen to people. Listen to people. When you talk to them, when you listen, you hear their struggles, right? You hear their struggles. You also hear their fears, You also hear, in a sense, their functional gods as you listen. 
you hear what they put their hope into. We listen to people. We listen to our community. We listen to the world around us. Listen, we have great ways now to listen. Like, and this is going to sound funny. Our neighborhood Facebook pages are a great window into the world's concerns. And it's a dark world out there. It's a dark world in those, those pages. We have a way to listen, to truly listen to what people care about in the world. Listen to people, listen to our community, and we listen to God. There should be this habit that as ambassadors of Jesus, following him, that we should grow in this ability to listen to others and listen to God at the same time. That is, we're talking to each other. We're talking to those outside the church. We're, we're hearing their concerns. We're asking God, God, how can I encourage them? At the same time, we listen to people, listen to our community, and we listen to God. And then when you gather, even in your missional communities, and just if you're new here, our missional communities are our little small groups that gather weekly for the purpose of doing life together, sharing meals, reading scripture together, praying, to get, praying together, encouraging each other, and going out and serving the world together. And so we have these groups throughout our little city that gather for those purposes. And, and friends, as you gather, this community should be like this little melting pot of how we all listen to what God is doing, to the concerns, the fears of those that we're reaching out to. So when you gather in your groups, listen together, share together where you see God at work, what God is doing, how you can pray. We listen Next, we eat. Amen. Amen. Matthew 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, you already know the end of the story, even the church at all. They said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Eating with someone, eating with these tax collectors was a statement. He was saying, because in that day, tax, they were like the scum of the earth. And so him saying, I'm going to eat with these people was a declaration that I came for these people. Alan Hirsch says this, sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Missional eating is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. I love this. We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. If every Christian household regularly invited a stranger or a poor person into their home for a meal once a week, we would literally change the world by eating. I'm just going to ask you, how do you leverage your meals to invite others in? You've been blessed to be a blessing. Your dinner table is a blessing. 
And when you sit down with someone else at your table, you're declaring that they are a person made in the image of God. Um, this is not easy to do. And as we talk about, you know, Phil being in your home, and we have all kinds of objections, all kinds of thoughts and fears. You might not be a a cooker. Well, great. Order out. Your house could be a mess. Great. Go out to eat. (laughs) All these different things. You might have crazy kids. Well, that's okay. Everybody's kids are crazy. You have all these different kind of excuses. And I understand all these things. But I will tell you this. You have been saved by a Savior, by a God who came down and got very near, very dirty, very close to us, right? And shared meals with the worst of sinners. And we are called to follow him. We have a brand new purpose. Our purpose is not a perfect home. Our purpose is not a perfect meal. Our purpose is to be ambassadors for Christ. And we do that through eating with others. And your missional community, who are you inviting in? to share meals with you guys. These communities should be this great picture of love and generosity and the gospel. Who are we inviting in to share meals with us as a group? Begin with prayer. We listen. We eat. Next, we serve. Mark 4.10. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. This is evident in his life and his ministry. The the humility of Jesus, the king, serving others, serving us, is breathtaking. I will tell you, though, serving requires proximity. Like serving means you will get up close with your neighbor, with your coworker, with people in your life. This idea that, you know, shepherds smell like sheep, correct? You'll get dirty as you do these things. Here, here's a great picture of this. Um, I'm going to brag on uh, my friend Lindsay Willis over here for a moment. Um, there's uh, some neighbors that uh, we have that for years, I will say Lindsay has done kind of all these things. Been praying for, praying for her, um, listening uh, to her story many, many times, eating with her through neighborhood gatherings. And finally, um, this is what happens many times. Uh, this, this friend, this neighbor, went through a life crisis, correct? And when that life crisis happened, Lindsay and Michael and others were there to serve them, to help them move in the midst of a true crisis, a true crisis to serve them. And then last week at group, we prayed for this friend of hers. And here's the exciting part for us. This friend is coming next week to our little group. We've been praying for her, been serving her, been thinking about her, and now she's going to come into our home and to share a meal and encourage her with the greatest news in the world. Lindsay and Michael had no grand plan, no grand plan. They were just faithful to bless this person the past four years of their life. I said four years for a reason. As we bless people, this will take a long time. And many times what happens is we bless people and we bless people, and then at some point, God wrecks their life. And when their life is wrecked, they, if we've been blessing them in the power of the Spirit, they know there's an ambassador for Christ out there to call. Correct? 
but it's being faithful to bless in the day in, the day out, the week in, the week out, in small but eternal ways. So we serve. And finally, story. Throughout Jesus' life, his ministry, it was primarily about one thing, announcing that the kingdom of God had come and that it was good news, that he died and he rose again. And his followers shared this story of this king coming and dying and rising again. You see in Acts all throughout, the resurrection was like the central message of the early followers. This story of God saying, Jesus came, the Messiah came, he died and he rose again. It's real. I saw it myself, believe in him. This, this story that has been all throughout time culminated in Jesus, the king. His kingdom had come. This story, this message had come and been fulfilled in Jesus. Listen to this. We cannot bless people if we don't tell them who blessed us. Osmosis, evangelism is not a thing. People will not catch your faith like it's a cold. Our message is a good news message, right? Here's some ways to share. I know I'm flying through this. Here are ways to share. First, share your story. Share your story. And share it in three ways. Share your story in three ways. First, before you met Jesus. What was your life life like before you put your faith in Jesus? Second, how did you come to faith in Jesus? What was your conversion story? How did God reveal himself to you? Third, how is God changing you now? Before you met him, when you put your faith in him, after you met him. It's very simple. If you're a follower of Jesus, put his faith in him, you can do that right there. Tomorrow, you can do that. Second, share the story of God. The story of God. The story of the gospel. It's four things. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. We do not have time to unpack that for sure. But very quickly, creation, God created all things, correct? Created all things. Second, there was a fall through Adam's sin, Adam and Eve's sin, correct? There was a fall of man that affected everything in the world. Even to this day, we still walk in sin because of the fall. But God, there is good news through Jesus. He came, lived the perfect life. He died, rose again, and now through putting faith in him, we can be redeemed and reconciled to him. And lastly, restoration. He is restoring all things, making all things new. Where one day in God's perfect kingdom, he'll wipe away every tear from our eye. There's creation, there's fall, there's redemption, there's restoration. Share the greatest story ever, frequently. Many of you in this room probably saw uh, the Avengers movie and talked about it and shared the story, and, I, and it was great, and I hope you enjoyed it. All that is so great. It's really cool. Love it. I'm with you. We have the greatest story ever told through Christ Jesus. As ambassadors for him, this story should be quick off our lips, correct? 
we should come to this story over and over and over again. So our story and God's story. So, three questions for application. Three questions. First, who will you bless this week? You got this card. I pray there's names written on this card. Which of these names will you bless this week? Who you pray for? Who are you going to call or pray for a divine appointment for the purpose of listening to them? Who are you going to eat with? Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to share with? Who are you going to bless this week? Second, how will you bless? Which of these are you going to do this week? Listen, this is your new purpose. New creation people have a new purpose. Your purpose is to be an ambassador for God who blesses others. Who and how are you going to bless this week? Last question. How can you cultivate a habit of bless? How can you walk in the ways of Jesus? I will tell you, I don't know how to do this apart from the community of people around you. This is why we have our, our groups, our missional communities, is to do this together. It's to be encouraged together, to be held accountable, to ask the question when we gather, who have you blessed this week? We need that question in our lives weekly. I need that question in my life weekly. And we as followers of Jesus, we need these questions. So I'm going to end with this. The obstacles, the obstacles to bless. Well, they are obstacles. What's time? Too busy? Uh, embarrassment? You kind of feel awkward doing this? Maybe there's apathy? Um, uh, you have distractions in your life, right? You have all these things going on? Here's the obstacle, really. It's yourself. So what happens tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday or two weeks from now when you fail, Right? When you don't begin with prayer, when uh, you're driving up from the end of the day and your neighbor's outside, you go right to the garage, right? Those kind of days. I don't have time to listen to that person. What do you do when you fail? Because we're all going to fail. And I want to draw your attention to this right here. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, not in your good works, not in your perfect job of blessing, but in him, we might become the righteousness of God. When and as you fail, go deeper into Christ. As and when you fail, acknowledge, confess your selfishness, your apathy, that you dropped your role as ambassador. Confess that to Christ Jesus, and then believe further in him, that he is perfect. He never stopped blessing, even on the cross. He's being tortured for my sin. He says, Father, forgive them. He blessed with steadfastness. We put our faith and our trust in him. And friends, that's what shapes your character. And as our character is remade in the image of Christ's character. That's when we live like Jesus, as these great ambassadors for God's kingdom. It's not as you get better at this. It's as you believe deeper and further into him and his perfect, steadfast love 
for us. As we do that, we're transformed, right? From one image to another. We become more like Christ, more like the true ambassadors. Our name tag becomes clear, not through better works, but through better trust and faith in him. And the power of his Holy Spirit works inside of us. So we wrap up today with communion, right? It's this great picture of this, right? That his body and his blood was shed for us because we're not steadfast. Because we don't always love with this steadfast love, right? We needed a substitute. We needed a savior. So the church of Jesus Christ, a group of ambassadors and missionaries come together to say and declare we have a savior. And we do that every single week through communion. And we come to this time in our, in our gathering with great humility, with great reverence, because we're aware of our sin, of our depravity, right? And we come with great attitude and hopefully great worship for all that God has done. So today, before you come, I ask you just to pause, to just pause and ask God to reveal to you where he's pruning you right now, right? the good things and the sinful things in your life. What are those things? Where is God at work? And do work with God today. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, you are good to us. Um, Lord, just thank you for being steadfast. You have given us the greatest purpose in the world, and still we exchange that for smaller purposes, Lord. So, Lord, please forgive us today, Lord, and let us come to your table as forgiven children of God who have been set free. Let us come with humility, with gratitude, and with worship, Lord. And, Lord, I ask you to do a work in our hearts today so that you can send us back out to a world so we can bless others. Lord, we love you. Probably Jesus' name.